Hi there. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. A beautiful day. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft, slayer of myriad fantasy leagues. He's already in first place in 2022, and it's not even 2022 yet. Kyle Soppy produces and researches and expertly guards our galaxy, such as it is. I am Eric Carabell here because someone has to drive the bus. On today's show, so many signings. Every team, except for my Phillies, involved. We got we, Yoan Lopez, though. That's pretty big. Fantasy Focus Baseball, probably presented by LinkedIn Jobs. Tristan, how are you on this fine day? It's December. Maybe <laughs> football season to some, but it's always baseball season. What a crazy, like, couple of yes. days in baseball, right? What a, I mean, just what a past week, really. Oh, I mean, we come right out of that Thanksgiving holiday to everybody signing. It's a key day in the baseball calendar for those reasons we don't really want to talk about. And, you know, I'll bring I'll bring the optimism for you. Other than read Jeff Passon's column, if you're, you know, it'll help you not panic so much about what's coming up with the CBA. But the other is we're all in first place today in 2022 in our fantasy leagues. We're all in first place. Technically, that's true, but you're still ahead of the pack somehow. We're going to talk about fun things today, positivity, all the signings. We'll get to your questions a little bit later, and then at the end, we've got some other stuff to deal with as well. And Tristan Tristan and I are partnering up in an experts league for the first time ever. Let's see how that goes. We'll talk about that later. Let's get to the signings and two teams we need to discuss right off the top. One of them, the New York Mets. I mean, if you're a fan of New York Mets, you're very happy today. They've spent lots of money. They don't care about any uh, salary cap line, cap in, you know, hand quotes there. Um, Max Scherzer, Starling Marte, Mark Kana, Kana, Eduardo Escobar. And they're not done yet. And their owner's got money and he's using it. And I say, good. It's a little bit weird that Scherzer is going to make more money in 2022 than perhaps three or four teams are going to spend on their entire team. But that's not our problem. Um, you know, sorry, Pirates. And whoever <laughs> else is down there, Cleveland, Guardians. <laughs> but let's get to Cleveland will spend. Cleveland might spend more because they've got a couple of – they've got Jose Ramirez's contract. Actually, Jose Ramirez has a great contract now that I think of it. He has a very good contract uh, for the team. Um, for the team, yes. For him too. I mean, he makes money. He just – he couldn't make more. Let's get to Scherzer. Um, yeah. He's not young. And there are people that are concerned – with how he's going to be durability wise, how he ended his season, um, you know, is holding his arm a little bit weird. You have him ranked as a number five starting pitcher behind only, Ot- well, the number four starting pitcher, Cole, Bueller, and Burns. Otani's ahead, but not really. So you have Max Scherzer as a number four starting pitcher, despite his age. That's a little bit interesting to me. Can, how would you, how do you defend that? Do you have any concerns about him not getting the 30 starts or about him getting hit a little bit? Because this is not the Dodgers. It's the Mets, defense, managing, all kinds of different stuff to consider now. Yeah, I definitely have concerns. I don't think he is that uh, perennial 33 start and 220 plus innings guy that he was when he was winning his Cy Youngs. But I really don't think he's all that much different from that other than age creeping up and the bumps and bruises creeping up. And, you know, I got to credit him for being... I know it's it's so cliche to say that a player's a gamer. He really is. I wonder, just based on the way the past two postseasons that he was, well, the World Series one with the Nationals and then this past one with the Dodgers, the way that those ended, he had to miss starts in his final series for his team in those playoffs. And I, I wonder whether they're the types that would have put him on the injured list if it was during the regular season. He's been in the range of 30 starts and 180 innings, and I think that's the right level. But he's been pitching like nothing's changed. He's taken ever so little off of his stuff 
but he's still amazing. And that's the main reason for the ranking. It's just if he did stay healthy, if everything clicked right this year and he gets to that 33 and let's say 210 in this case, he's the number one player in fantasy. Like, Well, maybe the number one player in fantasy, but certainly the number one among starting pitchers, wouldn't you think? It's a very easy case to make for him. But I'm putting him where he is at four instead of one because there is also the chance he misses a little more time. Then that drops down to 12, 15. I still think it's smart to build around him because every start he gives you is going to be gold. Scherzer and Jake DeGrom on the same team. How about that? Who do you feel uh, better about? Who do you feel better about? I actually feel better about Scherzer. Um, you have DeGrom as your number seven starter. I probably have him around 10. I think that's all fair. It's interesting. And we'll see what other moves. We'll get to the more, more starting pitchers in a second. Although the first thing I thought about when I thought of Scherzer was Verlander. And Verlander's back with Houston. And you have Scherzer going in round two and Verlander in round 15. And you know which one I think is a far better value. It's going to be hard for Scherzer, I think, to earn second round value. But I think easy for Verlander, too. I know he's coming off Tommy John, but, man, I trust him, too. If we're going to trust Scherzer, don't we have to trust Verlander? Uh, they're different things. I yeah, know. They're, they're they're and they're I believe Verlander's got a year or two on him. I, I think a year and a half or two years of age on him. And he's fresh off the Tommy John surgery. And if we know the history of this, I, I have in the past been optimistic about those pitchers returning from Tommy John surgery. And I've gotten burned by them time and time again, including as recently as Chris Sale. I think it's wise to temper the workload enthusiasm with Verlander. I think that his chances of getting to 180 are much longer than Scherzer's. Marte, Kana, Escobar. Any of these guys excite you for fantasy? Marte is obviously the base stealer here. They did this in part, they say, because of defense, although I don't think they made their defense better. Marte is, gonna, is already in his like early 30s. Uh, but he's a base stealer and potentially a leadoff guy for this team, and he'll score runs. So I, I, I see where you're ranked, Marte. I like it. Uh, I don't know if we have to waste any time on the other two guys, but are you concerned about Marte stealing bases well into his 30s? Don't we have to be? There's a lot of precedent for this. Yeah, the history says it's difficult to see players get their better stolen base numbers after they uh, pass the age of 30. I do think he still has it in him based on how he looked last year to get, actually, maybe even lead the majors in stolen bases this season. I'm going to throw you the one-liner on Kana. Kana is a watch the spring training lineups. Kana and Brandon Nimmo, where they fit in that lineup, if they get one, two, or if they platoon it a little bit, that could have an influence on their fantasy values because a lot of leagues are shifting away from the traditional roto and counting things like walk. So watch that. Marte, I want to see who the manager is. I want it to be a big green light guy. He went to Oakland, which is a team that historically has not given green lights on the base pads. And they just said, hey, run wild. And he did. (laughs) He stole an amazing amount of bases. And even if he loses a little bit of that, A big plus for him going to the Mets is this is easily the best team he's ever played on. It's certainly the best lineup he's ever been a part of. And he's likely to hit second in the order on average every day. I think he'll move around a little bit based on the matchups. But he's going to play every day, play center field, and he's going to be in a strong lineup that's going to give more plate appearances, a little more runs, maybe more RBI. Mets and Braves, two best teams in the NL East. What about those Texas Rangers? They have a great middle infield now. Is that the best middle infield in fantasy baseball? Marcus Semyon, Corey Seager. It only costs $500 million. What's the big deal? Um, do either of these guys concern you at all? I mean, Seager is not as good in fantasy as he is in real life. He don't, we don't rank him as well. You, you've got him in round seven. Uh, you've got Semyon going early in round four. And these are 10-team ESPN leagues, not the 15-team leagues, you know, expert leagues, but still like Marcus Semyon, you're expecting him to hit 30, 35 home runs again by this, I assume. 
Yeah, I think that's his new baseline. The worry I have with just locking in 35 homers is the park shift. And the fact that where Marte, I just mentioned a minute ago, benefits going into one of the best lineups he ever has. Texas lineup has still some really big questions. Now, by the way, I was trying to find middle infielders, uh, you know, who, who I considered better either from a real or fantasy perspective. It's difficult to do. There's some candidates to challenge, but this this is a tough one. I, I think the Dodgers have a shot depending on how the rest of that that infield shakes out. But I think there's going to be some downturn in production. Um, I, Texas ballpark. It's got a year and a half of evidence, you know. I immediately go to the park factor numbers. I'll mention just, you know, the, the Bill James handbook being out. So uh, I, I flipped through that and it graded it and it's a year and a half sample. It is a neutral to slightly pitching friendly ballpark. I could dive a little bit more into the numbers. We, we can dig into that in a second. But just the, the brief look at it there was Toronto is a better year over year ballpark for power than Texas is. In Corey Seager's case, the Dodgers ballpark is better for power than Texas is, surprisingly enough. And losing some of that lineup support, I think, is going to influence the two of these players. Remember, they they batted in premium spots in very loaded lineups. Well, now they're going to be batting in the top three, the two best hitters in Texas's lineup. So they could bat one, two or two, three or three, four. I mean, they're they're going to get chances. Um, Corey Seager, is he brittle? What, what's your over under on games played? Is it one thirty now or do we try these are like fluky injuries? I, I think they're a little more warranting of the injury-prone label, but I also think he's young enough and some of them have been slightly fluky that he does have a shot at getting to 150 with some luck. But I, I stress the word with luck. It's the only reason I wouldn't put him up there in the top 25 class. I think he has the sheer skills to be a top 25 caliber overall player. There is absolutely no reason to pay it. I would argue there's probably no reason to pay even a top 50 price tag. Right, but Corey Seager could be Xander Bogarts. He could bat 300 with 25 yeah. and 100 pretty easily, yeah. even in Texas's slightly pitcher. I, I, don't, I don't know how it's only slightly, but he could be Xander Bogarts, who we're taking in round three, and Seager's going in round six. Seager's the far better value, mm-hmm. no question. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, Bogarts, in fairness, most of his missed time last year was because of the, the COVID, being on the COVID list. Um, he is no, better. got hit by a pitch. I mean, like, you know, so like, I, I, I don't, it's, it's I feel, three, I feel four like years. Not... Tommy John surgery too. I mean, like that's, you know, that's mm. fluky in a way. I, I see what you're getting at. I Goldberg's has been remarkably durable. There's a major difference between these two, two, these two guys. And nowadays, doesn't it make more sense to pay for the guy who gives you what yeah. you know? I'm not saying I would take Seager over Bogarts. I'm just saying there's a huge value here. And by the way, you mentioned that Certainly. Bill James handbook for 2022. Yes. It's a monster book. Seriously, it's yeah. like twice the it's size. Like it's like two inches thick. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. It's like lifting weights. Oh. Um, it's a workout. Thanks to our pal Mark Simon, uh, also my former co-host on the Old Baseball Today podcast. We're hooking us up. And Mark has his own terrific podcast. Follow him on Twitter, Mark A. Simon Says. And some of the stats, I mean, park factors you mentioned, but mm-hmm. all the pitching and hitting, like there's stats in here you can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And some of the base running ones, I couldn't believe. Victor Robles, 0 for 14 and going first to third. Jackie yeah. Bradley had only five chances the entire season going to first to third on a single. Um, this, this Connor yeah. Joe RBI percentage, he was 16 for 40 with, with our runners and scoring. Anyway, 
by the book. It's amazing. This this uh, is the crazy thing about it. I have every one they've ever published. I, I, it's it's just an annual staple for me. And people think nowadays in the digital age, you can just go online and fin- find any of these sorts of stats. Uh, sorts of stats. Not not, qu- not quite. Nope. There's no. definitely a, a stuff in there, including the projections for next year. We have ours as well, but they they have the Bill James ones in here. Um, that you're not going to get in any other place. And the other is sometimes it's just handy for me to get a piece of paper for something actually be, to be printed. Then I got to get out my reading glasses, even though I'm 25. <laughs> sometimes it's good to just have something in your hands. I, I guess so. Let's move on to some other players who have signed recently, starting with starting pitchers here. Robbie Ray. I mean, that's an amazing year. He won the Cy Young Award. Congrats to him and all the award winners that, that happened, I think, since our last show. Um, I thought it was interesting where you ranked Robbie Ray. To me, you're either all in or like you're not. And I feel like Robbie Ray is a top 10 starting pitcher in our rankings. He should be like, if you're going to rank, I don't know. Like I look at the Milwaukee pitchers. Okay. Their risk I think is of not pitching enough or of injuries. What's Robbie Ray's risk now. Is it just command? Is it just walking people? Is that all it is? Because we saw an amazing strikeout season. He was always striking people out. He's going to a pitcher's ballpark. I assume that's a pitcher's ballpark. You could tell us if it's not, but I don't know how I could take some of the guys you rank ahead of him actually ahead of him. I cannot take Aaron Nola ahead of Robbie Ray. I don't think Lance Lynn at this point. I don't think I can take Kevin Gosman with that ballpark switch over Robbie Ray. Defend your Robbie Ray ranking. <laughs> so a couple of the names you mentioned there are probably going to bounce around a little bit because I'm in the deep research part with those. Ray, I have looked at. And in his case, two things really stand out. One of them is the 90% strand rate. That's awfully fortunate considering his career rate is 77%. So there's going to be some regression to the mean coming for him. Uh, expected batting average 256, where do we have the real? So, of course, that's this is the time I can't find the real one for you to make the comparison. I think we assume his ERA, yeah. his ERA was, goes up some. He's not doing that again. Yeah, but it was, it was almost 50 points. Okay. What I like about Ray is I think that the control gains he made are sustainable. And I think all of the sheer results he had when things, you know, on batted balls and things like that, worked very much in his favor. He's going from a ballpark that was more hitting oriented to one that's more pitching oriented. You said the park factor. The marine layer is a big factor in Safeco Field. That's one of the reasons it's so pitching friendly. And I think that's a good landing spot. But I I just, I think it's going to be hard for him to repeat that. I think it's going to be hard for him to come even close to repeating that. I think he's very clearly a number two fantasy starter. Not not one of those aces, lead guys. Is he for you? Is he a lead guy like the first you'd lead, uh, you'd start your team with? No, I don't want to say that, but I I have questions about some of the other guys, like DeGrom's health, Bieber's health, you know, Urias, a lot of that was wins. Gosman, you know, he's switching places with Robbie Ray, essentially, in terms of ballpark factor stuff. And that scares me a little bit. Um, Aaron Nola, look, there just went another one-two home run. Uh, I, I just... <laughs> I don't know what to know, do with him. I'm, I'm just I don't know. Honest. I don't know what to do with him either, but I'm not going to get him. I feel like Robbie Ray in round six is probably about right, maybe a round or two late. But, um, you know, good for Seattle. Good for them. Spending money. That's that's what you got to do, do. You know, you, you develop. Seattle's going to be really good. Dave Schoenfeld's going to love. He already does. But the Mariners are making the playoffs either this year or next. 
with that great mm-hmm. offense. Yeah. Julio Rodriguez is coming up at some point yep. this year. You and I are, are sharing a team now. And five minutes later, we traded Julio Rodriguez, um, <laughs> which we Wait, was a, it was in fair, It was a huge haul. Yeah. To go in for this year. It's a team that needs a rebuild anyway, if it can't, can't take the title. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. By the way, I, I'll tease the lead or, or, or I'll tease it and then bury the lead in saying we have a philosophical conversation coming up about starting pitching with the, Many, many. What's what's that word you use a lot for many, many signings that we had to go over? Lot, gonna, lots, lots. You got it. <laughs> oh, yes. Myriad. Well, myriad starters have signed. I just don't know who here. Like Gosman, Gosman and Robbie Ray got the same amount of money, basically. At, well, to you know, to them maybe, basically to us it wouldn't be. But the point is, like they, you know, Gosman now back in the America goes to the American League, mm-hmm. and you know it might be fine, but like you have to expect. Maybe the DH comes in the National League, but I just it's a different setting and it's not San Francisco. So I don't know how I could take Gosman over Robbie Ray. I, I don't know how I could do it. Um, what's your philosophical point here? I want to hear what it is. Okay. So you're gonna have to decide how you want to build your starting pitching staff. And I would argue that it's all about aces and then it's about filling gaps. There is no such thing as the set it and forget it pitching staff anymore. That's dead. It is it is officially dead. And there are a lot of these players who signed where I think you can rely on them for maybe four months out of the six or a month here and a month there and a month there. And I think the way you're going to win is by piecing those little little chunks together across the nine or 10 uh, pitching spots that you have. And I think that in Gosman's case, yeah, it's a, it's a bad park shift for him. But when he has everything working, and one of the big things was he leaned so heavily on the split finger pitch. That's become much more of an out pitch. He's he's at least captured or repeated the velocity at early in his career. He made some major changes in San Francisco. Those aren't going away. So I do think at times he's going to be great. But I don't think you can count on him for six months. I don't think I don't think this is a debate about a guy who's going to throw 200 innings for you. I think it's a debate about can you squeeze the right 145 innings and then get 60 somewhere else, like from some of these other you – know, from his own team, Alex Cobb last, or Alex Cobb, Alex Wood last year. Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, four, four, four letter first name, four letter last name, same team, same first name. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> uh, tell us about Alex Cobb. You wrote about him today for ESPN Fantasy. I assume it's up. Uh, like you like Alex Cobb, and I want to hear why. I like the landing spot. So when Alex Cobb is right, he's got that split. So anybody chance. on the Giants you like now? No, but. You got to admit under Farhan Saidi that they have done very well at turning what are borderline reclamation project pitchers into, frankly, fantasy stars, at least for the price that you're paying them. I went through and it was it was five guys who had a substantial improvement going into their rotation. And we know, obviously, Gosman, uh, Anthony DiScalfani, Alex Wood had a bit of a comeback last year. What if Cobb's the next one? He showed it at times. Five when guys for dinner last night, by the way. Five guys at uh, burgers. I might really tonight. Good. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What were you saying? I like it. I like it. <laughs> Anthony Discofani. I'm hungry. No, but that's but that's like you mentioned. You tease Cobb. Cobb might not be the the quintessential example of this, but I need to get those 75 quality Alex Cobb innings that happen in June and July and put them around the Gosman times he misses or times he's a little, little bit of a slump and needs an adjustment. I, I that's the way I'm going to build my pitching staffs. So he's the next Discofani. He might be. He might well be. And he might uh, not. He might be through <laughs> Smiley and gives you five stars. Who knows? All right. So who pitches more in 2022, Justin Verlander or Noah Syndergaard now with the Angels for a year? Very strange one there. 
Verlander, and I'm really trying not to just blurt it out quickly. With I, I kind of trust Verlander. Yeah, I, I just do. I think there are again with the cliche. I think there are gamers, and that's what he is. He is going to push himself to be a minimum of 160 innings. I think. Well, don't, don't get you? into a Twitter war with Noah Syndergaard and not call him a gamer. I don't know what Noah Syndergaard is. He he hasn't pitched enough, so I, I never said he's not one. I just it's what one inning. Oh, two you years? did. You called him out, man. <laughs> called him out. Sold the stat. Yeah, calling yes. out Noah. Uh, yes, moving off I the did. starting pitchers here. Oh, let's sing. I, I We haven't heard you sing in a month, so do the closer carousel, if you please. Oh, right. <laughs> Remember the song? It's been a long time. Uh, hold on. Let me go back in the memory banks. It's the closer carousel. <laughs> so, Razel Iglesias is an angel for life, essentially. Um, if you've got a Dynasty League, and we tell you not to keep starting, we leave pitchers in Dynasty Leagues, but... Wouldn't Iglesias now be like one of the safest? I mean, we don't know where Josh Hader is in a year or even a month. Um, And if the strikeouts fall apart, you know, God bless. But Iglesias, despite all the home runs, like his manager's never going to give anybody else a safe chance. He's going to strike people out. Like, isn't Razel Iglesias pretty safe for 30 saves for the next four years? I can't say any other relief pitcher in baseball, any other that I would call safe. For 30 saves over the next four years. Not Hendricks, not Hader, not not anybody. Can you? I don't think any of them is safe for that. But I I absolutely see your point. Among the very few, and you probably count them on one hand, he is definitely on that hand. He is on that I think list he's the number one. I'm not saying he's the number one closer for this year. Or the number one in Dynasty, because it's, he's not going to ever have a 150 ERA. But if you're asking me, uh, who is getting saves in 2026? Like, Razor Iglesias is the only guy I can name right now. The only guy, because the Angels just did that. Ridiculous contract, but good for People that. are going to say, yo, how do you d- doubt Josh Hader? You can't. But there, you can't there are but cases. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm pointing yes. out how the ridiculousness of it all. And, you know, he's a he's got to be ranked as a top five closer because his, his manager loves him. He's going to be loyal. And they, they've got him forever. So... You know, I don't know where Kenley Jans is pitching or when he gets removed from the role. I have concerns. So, you know what I mean? That's my point there. Let's move on. But um, there were really no other closer situations that we can definitively say changed in the past week or month or whatever. I mean, obviously, there's still free agents galore out there. Some Kirby pieces, aligned. A, Some pieces were that? aligned to take care of others. You're getting into to a couple of them. Go for it. I mean, Kirby Yates isn't pitching for the first couple months of 2022. As mm-hmm. It comes back from what? Tommy John, right? So, it, but... You know, eventually, but like Will Smith, so Will Smith starts the year as a closer and then Yates takes it or like, who knows? Will Smith wasn't all that effective last season. They won it all good for them, but like, or this is an interesting situation. Or this is Andres Munoz 2021. Did you see what happened to him? Yes. Huge, huge extension. Seattle just gave him four years. Now, not Iglesias money, but they bought out his ARP seasons. I can see Andres Munoz closing this year for Seattle. Uh, yeah, but they also have Ken Giles. That's an, I mean, they have a lot of candidates, and they could very well go in the same bullpen Who's sort of combination. Tommy John himself, yep. right? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I just I don't pieces. see Paul Sewell doing it again. They have Diego Castillo. They have a good bullpen, which makes me feel yeah. pretty good. Not about Robbie Ray's ninety percent strand rate staying that way, but him them holding leads. Yeah, I mean, I like Seattle. Seattle's bullpen is about as deep as you can get. You know. If the Giles gives him anything and Sewell ha- has something like that and Steckenrider and Castillo and Munoz, I, that's really interesting. Anyway, but moving Yates, on. Who's, I'm trying to think of the, there was an, uh, uh, it, it 
it escapes my mind right now, but sometime over the past two to three years, there was a Tommy John surgery guy who landed in a bullpen, and in the final two months of the year, he took over. Yates, best case scenario, probably mirrors that one. He, he should be mentioned for that reason. Uh, Kendall Graveman with the White Sox, where he will not get any saves because Liam Hendricks is the closer. But by the time our next show happens, well, whenever that is, Craig Kimbrell's going to be on another team. Probably the dumb Phillies taking him on. Um, Craig Kimbrell, obviously, you don't know ballpark, but he's going to be a closer for some team. They're going to trade him somewhere where he closes. If it's the Dodgers, it matters. If it's, you know, who Cardinals, who knows where he ends up going. But Kimbrell has to be a top 10 closer in our rankings. He's going to close. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's yeah, going to do it. Yeah. And I, I probably don't have him in there just because today he's not a closer. And with the uncertainty as to what's going to go on over the next couple of months, I don't know how the offseason plays out. But yes, you're on skill and the likelihood of the role. He's an absolute top 10 fantasy closer. Um, did anything else happen over the past week or so, closer wise? I mean, obviously, Hector Neris will be the setup man for Ryan Presley. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm good for them, honestly. Um, we'll see what happens with the Dodgers. Right now, Blake Tronin's their closer because Kenley Jansen's a free agent. Yeah. Um, yep. And I I wonder whether they will bring back Kenley Jansen. I, I think there's a I good chance too. he winds up somewhere else. I think um, there's a, absolutely that chance. Um, a lot of the stuff was coming down to the non-tenders, but guys like Taylor Rogers and Scott Barlow were yeah. tendered. I'm not surprised Barlow got tendered a contract, but that – that uh, uh Toronto brought in Yimmy Garcia. I don't think that's a real threat to Jordan Romano. So the enthusiasm I have still Romano, by the way, brings back to the, brings us back to the XFL discussion where that's the league that you and I are doing. Um, where the, I don't know. I Closers have the, no value whatsoever. Right. I hate using the, we should preface experts. all this. So this is the XFL. It's a league with industry Titans like Ron Chandler, Zola, Derek Van Riper, Doug Dennis, and they they emailed Chandler emailed me and I said I said I'll only do it if Tristan is my co partner he runs a team and wins a league so, so I can say I won a league I mean because I, I finished second on my own but bringing you in no pressure or anything but bringing you in means we have to win and if we don't I can blame you uh, but only one of us can draft the team we we it's a keeper league we kept fifteen and they're all like we're going for it now so what was the return for Julio Rodriguez it was Brandon Lau. Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Jose Barrios, and Edward yeah. Cabrera, and draft picks. So the team yeah. of Steve Gardner and Ian Kahn, uh, Ian Kahn, the actor, Steve for, Gardner, our pal. We'll yeah. get to Steve and what happened to him recently uh, later in the show. But so, um, so, so George Washington gave us a haul for a young prospect. It's, like, it's a lot. <laughs> and, and, you know, Julio Rodriguez might still be great. Basically, oh, we him. decided we're going to try to win now. If not, it's going to be a three year rebuild. <laughs> Yeah, but right? you know what? That'll be fun. The, the, no, it's it, not. Be, Rebuilding's not fun. fun. I never want to rebuild. Don't worry. I'll, I'll keep you. I'll keep you entertained through it. Don't. It'll. Your it'll team, be fun. Bella. I promise. Enjoy I promise. <laughs> the reason I bring it up is just the philosophical shift at relief pitcher as well, and that is the values of those guys are so deflated in that particular league. Is the and I said I hate the air quote experts thing, but I've got to mention if that group that's advising the people who play are fading increasingly relief pitchers, especially the other than the, the you know the guys at the tiers below Rysel Iglesias, is the market going to shift and adapt to that? And I wonder whether it will. I think it probably will, where we are only talking about the top six to eight closers any given year, and we don't care about the rest until March. That's going right, to have a huge we, impact. We had a couple of them. Now, maybe their prices weren't quite right, 
But like we had Will Smith, we had Jordan Romano, we had Liam Hendricks, who was too expensive, but we threw them all back in. Like, why is Jordan Romano not? And you and I discussed this on the phone when we opted to cut him. Why did we cut him? Like, isn't he going to cost that to get him back? He's clearly Toronto's closer. He's clearly good. So if you can get a top, and I, I rank Jordan Romano as a top 10 closer. You probably do not. Let me look and see. No, I do. But like, He's ninth. Nine okay, so like why wouldn't at five bucks, why wouldn't we keep him? What's it gonna cost on Saturday? Is it gonna cost five bucks? I think he is. We cut him because Yimmy Garcia. And that's not about the individual, it's about the team philosophy. Bringing in additional guys to potentially go in the direction that Seattle did is frankly, I think, a wise move for MLB teams. And if that's the way the bullpens are gonna go largely, other than your Iglesias's and your Kenley Jansons, you know, Liam Hendricks, etc. If 25 of 30 teams are going in that direction, that really hurts the value keeper wise of these players. The other thing too, is if teams go that direction, who's to say that if Jordan Romano has a so-so March that Yimmy Garcia is not the closer on opening day. And then we've, then we've got nothing. We're talking about Yimmy Garcia. Jordan Romano is getting 33 saves. It's not the individual. It's the philosophy of the team. What showed you in Toronto that their philosophy is not to give Jordan Romano every season? Last year. It was last year. Last, last oh, year. Was it once he became yes, the closer? Was. He was their closer. Right. And when did he become that closer? August 1st-ish? July 15th-ish? Uh, that's because he was hurt. All right. We'll see. He we'll see. No, I, no, 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 no. I disagree with you on that one. He should have been the closer on day one, and he should have been in the, the closer on game 162, and there should have been absolutely no dispute whatsoever the whole year. I love what I saw from Julian Merriweather in that first series. I get that. Yeah, one weekend. <laughs> he looked great, and then he got hurt. But Jordan right. Romano should have been the closer the whole year, and he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. It's your team, dude. Make 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 sure we win, or else, or else it's me and AJ. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! <laughs> or we get Davy. Let's get to some other stuff. Um, Javier Baez is a tiger for the next six years. You know, Javier Baez, man, he just doesn't take any walks. He just doesn't want to walk. Love um, the fact in that column. Throw it out. About two thirty for the next six years, and it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think I want, and, and I I can't think of another player who has a bigger difference in Roto and points leagues hitter hitter, obviously between Javier Baez. I couldn't believe where he ended up ranked. He was a top 40 hitter in, in player Raider. Um, and then he wasn't even close to the top hundred in points leagues among hitters. Cause he doesn't walk at all. And all the strikeouts. I mean, that's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk here, even in Roto that he bats two thirty or two forty in Detroit. There certainly is. I, I don't have a major problem with the deal. I don't have a major problem with the landing spot. I, I feel like the Tigers, might have been better served with Carlos Correa, but you know, bias. I don't know. He just seems to get it done, and I'm underwhelmed year over year. By the way, I, best example of this one: it's the six by six league. I've had bias since day one in that keeper league. I have never once been able to get anyone to bite on a trade for him, and I get it is because of the on base percentage, but that tells you something. Everybody sees the low on base percentage and fades him, and if that's going to happen, there's going to be value points in roto leagues. Beyond that. Mm, I think I'm fading Javier Baez because if if he ends up at like 24 homers, you're going to join the crowd that makes him a bargain, though, aren't you? Where where does he belong in the draft? I I'm gonna I'm gonna project a 250 batting average with 25 home runs and 12 steals, and I just don't want to deal with that. I mean, and not in the top hundred. I I I think he has to be ranked in the top hundred for Roto, but I'm gonna fade him in round six or seven where everyone else takes him. I have concerns about the batting average. 
And it's even and worse I, than the OBP league. Like in our league in XFL, we can't even can't even think about Javier Baez there. I, I want to agree with you. And what I think will actually happen is we will have a draft where that 75th pick overall comes up and then we let him go. And then we're up at the 90th pick and we're like, no, he's somebody will take him because that's a, that's a 30 home or 20 steel guy. I'm telling you that league, no one has wanted to bite for years. There are a lot of people who say he's just too low in on base percentage. He's just going to completely crater statistically. And then he becomes a bargain. Just be really careful about it. Uh, he's, he's, 80th in my rankings. Well, no, he's 78th now. He moved up two spots. I think that's fine. I think that's a good (laughs) ranking actually for him. Right. But just don't like resist the temptation to let him go a little bit more than that in a roto league. I I agree with you about the the split between points. Wow. Just wow. So where do you have Byron Buxton ranked? My goodness. You have, yeah, he was all over the place for me. Okay. Well, uh, you got to explain. I didn't realize until I just realized it, but how do you justify Byron Buxton at 55, knowing his brittle durability state? Yeah, and he's the Adalberto Mondesi problem. I I just really don't know where to rank him. And I don't feel the same about outfielders in terms of piecing together. I probably should, but I don't feel the same way about piecing that together. And I don't know, maybe there is like a subconscious part of me with the rankings that is saying, okay, I'm just going to go in that direction. Because he really was great. He really was great with some of the improvements while healthy last year. And I think they're true. I think they're, it's a true breakthrough. Uh, man, it's, Isn't he, it's a he's lot. He's on that list with, with Mondesi. I, to me, it's, it's a brittle bias in some, some degree because he's, he's never going to walk. He's not hitting 306 again. So there's power, there's some speed, but it might be a hundred games. Like I guess to, maybe it's the trout argument without on base percent. I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. You're right. But if I don't know what to do with a player, man, I don't rank him 55. Like I'm, I don't want Montesi in my top hundred, even though he probably deserves it. And I don't know what to do with Buxton either. Like that's too many missed games. It's too many. It's, how can I rank? Tw- how can I rank trout, trout 25 and then, and then Buxton 55. I can't do it. He there's it's too many missed games. Yes. But, and, and that's kind of awkward with the bias comp here for me, but I would spot you 20 points on that and take that bet every day of the week. Buxton will hit I'm at sure least 20 would. points higher than Javier Baez. He is a, he's, he's a superior fantasy baseball talent by a noticeable amount when they are both healthy and on the field. It's not even a contest. Uh, I, no, quality, no. Yes. Quality of content is significantly better. Oh, no, no, no. That, but... I mean, he hasn't batted 300 times in a season since 2017. That's not a one-year thing, man. That's that's mm-hmm. a yeah. clear trend. Minnesota's not getting 100 games out of Byron Buxton. Maybe any year or maybe one out of the next five. We got right. a seven-year deal for $100 million. I was hoping the Phillies wouldn't do that. Minnesota saved them from doing that. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I, but it's, You're it's, right as I that said, when they his play. skills are there. But like Baez giving you 150 games a year and Buxton giving you a 50, uh, there's no contest to me. Yeah, that that matters. But as I said, if they are both on the field on any given day, on that day, I'll take Buxton by a but handy I don't margin. Care about that, this is your trout you argument. Should. I don't care. No, I you shouldn't. Should. Yeah, you should. If, if he's not going to play, he can't help your team. In our game, he can't. In our game, I'd argue you should. Maybe in, I, in, in the leagues we play the deep, you know, the 15 team plus mixed and the AL onlys and the NL onlys. Yes. The playing time really matters. Increasingly the deeper the league gets, but in a shallow context where there are replacements everywhere to fill in those, those holes, 
taking a speculative shot on Buxton, giving you 100 games and having to drop in 62 from the free agent list, I will take that all day over Javi Baez. I'm ranking Baez ahead of Buxton, and neither of them well. Anybody else we need to get to today? Uh, you know what? When Kyle comes in, we'll ask him, because this is an argument and a good debate. Okay, a healthy, friendly mm-hmm. debate. Yeah. But I just can't understand your Buxton argument. I oh. mean, like, what are you looking for here? I mean, I just don't get it, but yeah, that's okay. And I feel a lot like about him like I do Mondesi, and I don't think I'll get either one. But there is, an, there is a ceiling here that is just exceptional. And that's that's the one thing I don't want to ignore. It's not right. all negatives with him. No, There's no. One I, other, there is one other we should mention before before Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. What, what is that? <laughs> I, I like the Eduardo Rodriguez signing. Why? Out of the AL East, into Detroit. I'll argue there actually is potentially a little less pressure for him. I think he's an underrated pitcher. I, I don't think he has elite Cy Young stuff, but I think he's not too many notches down from that. If that's the case, then he should be ranked like 35 by you, not 59. 59, I, even I wouldn't go that far down. He, he needs to be ranked in your 30s. Yeah, it's possible I, I'll bump him up a little bit, but... A uh, little bit. I mean, that's that's not... That, that just looks weird to me. But okay, I mean, you know, look, the rankings are always in flux, although you're the only one that's done them so far. But I, I'll like to rank him where you have Kyle Quantrill doesn't make any sense to me. Eduardo Rodriguez is a potential 200 strikeout guy if he can make 33 starts. I like him. I would rank him probably in my 30s. Quantrill, because you'd have him higher up, better up? No, Quantrill belongs at number 200. Eduardo Rodriguez belongs at like number like right. 120 or something. Yeah, and looking at it, it's, that's in my you know, research bad whip. I'll give you that. He's not going to help you in whip, but you know, 15 wins, 175 strikeouts. I can see that three. I'll make the case. I'd liken him. I liken him in in terms of where the tier is. I'd liken him to Chris Bassett at 41. Yeah. I mean, I I I feel about that good. If I'm like thinking where to clump Rodriguez. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking Luis Garcia of Houston. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. um, like Bassett you named with a better ERA and whip. I'm thinking guys like that to me, they go and like, they're not top 20 starting pitchers, but like, like Tyler and Male, like, yeah, I, I, I that's where I Dylan cease. These are going to, they're going to strike out hitters that not may not help your whip, mm-hmm. but I would rank you have, you know, Tyler Male at 123 overall. You have cease 111. That's where Rodriguez belongs to me. Um, all right. Now my voice hurts. Kyle, come on in here. Byron Buxton, uh, what's your take here? You're, you're ranking Kyle, you would take him in round six over bias. <coughs> I think I would take him over Baez. I don't think I'm going round six. I think you both kind of hit on it that in a perfect world, you're drafting neither, which is kind of the side I would take in all of this. I think if you're going one or the other, Buxton to me has the higher ceiling and it depends on league format. If it's a shallow league where I'm, the replacement level when he's inevitably hurt is higher, I think I'm more likely to do take the plunge in that kind of league than a 15-teamer where I have to replace him with something I'm not even remotely comfortable with. Problem with that. Okay. ESPN leagues are 10 teams, only one catcher, three bench spots. I grant you all that. You're going to be using that bench all season long for starting pitchers. Okay. Cause they're going to be in and out of your lineup on the DL and you're only going to have one DL spot. So to me, yes, everything you say about Buxton missing 50, 60 games, at least, I mean, he's not even been close to playing in a hundred. You could go and pick up, you know, who's an outfielder, Dom Smith or Andrew McCutcheon when he signs. They'll be available all free agency. Right. I'm just not going to have en- enough room on my bench to deal with a guy like that when I already know he's hurt. IL spots. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's not really a bench spot if you're moving Bucks into the IL. Now, now to, to Eric's point, we do have a limited IL, and with the rise in that and the quality sure. players who are on it, you could run into an IL crunch, too. It's situational. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's a fair counterpoint to it. And, and yeah, p- perhaps I should... See, Eric did talk me into making one big rankings tweet in the, uh, tweak in the last show, and I'm wondering now about Erod and the, I'll have to what look was at that? Books. I don't even remember our last. Tommy show. Edmund. Tommy Edmund was the one. Oh yeah, I had well, him a, a good twenty five to to forty spots too low, so I I made that adjustment. All right, uh, I assume we have some questions on Twitter, the hash browns and all that. What do we got? We sure do. We'll start with the trivia question. Get you guys warmed up a little bit. One player last year had seventy extra base hits, but failed to hit thirty homers. I want you to name that player for me after Hash Browns. The first Hash Brown came from Dylan. He wants to know if 2022 is the year of John Gray. Oh, John Snow. I left him out purposely for this argument. <laughs> Probably rank him so well. Um, oh, oh, I wonder what you one of like John better. Gray. Don't tell no me. way. I told you, didn't you even rank him. I took oh him. God. I took him in the second round of Tout Wars NL last year. I didn't feel good at all about doing it, and that paid off. But no, this is crazy, man. How do you have John Gray number eighty-eight in Texas in a pitcher ballpark? I understand his home road splits were not what people expected. He was actually better at Coors Field over the past couple of seasons. But he's durable. He's got good stuff, and it's a pitcher's ballpark. To me, John Gray should be ranked like number fifty among starting pitchers. I might even take him this year. I'm not saying I like him. But based on his skills, I mean, you can't you can't possibly rank him behind some of these guys you have him ranked behind. Come on, Adbert Alzale, Drew Rasmussen, he, he, that's that's wild. Yeah, I like Alzale based on that slider what he showed over the past couple of years. Rasmussen has got skills. We, I'll take we, Rasmussen. We always talked about you John Gray the past. You'll take Gray over Rasmussen. I'll take Rasmussen over Gray all day. That's how how does it doesn't it's like volume matter to you. It's Tampa. I won't take Corey Kluber is also a t- We didn't mention him. Like, I won't take him over John Gray, but John Snow, whatever we want to call him. But I will take Drew Rasmussen. He was pretty what decent. What do you like about John Gray? Like, like, okay, I'll give you the home road split miss. But, like, John Gray sh- should have a 375 ERA in Texas with 160 strikeouts, 175 strikeouts. He's. I don't see what the problem really is. Is it, is it other pitchers that have left cores that scare you? Like, well, I, there's only one. There's one comp, and it's Ubaldo. He's that's I not it a up. comp. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Oh, comp oh it, it's absolutely a comp. You're but gonna comp John Gray to Ubaldo Jimenez. The way that the stuff isn't quite what it was at the peak when Ubaldo was getting Cy Young votes when he departed Colorado. Yes, I will. That's the only part of the comp that I like is that he's not quite the John Gray he was two three years ago. And I'm bothered by the haphazard home this. I'm, I'm bothered that I, I'm the guy who likes Jon Snow now. 50. There's no way I would take him in my top five. Not even a conversation for me. There's no way I'm taking over Erod. There's no way I'm taking over Cal Quantrill. Oh, I've got Erod ranked ahead of him. I have Erod in my third. Cal Quantrill. <laughs> I will not take him over Cal Quantrill. No way. Cal you know Quantrill what? is going to be like. Uh, you. I know what's going to happen. And I'm t- Six wins. You, okay. There is a path here where you're absolutely right. And I look like an idiot here. So I'm throwing myself out to be an idiot. But. You're going to draft him 50th among starting pitchers. You're going to hate what it is in April. We will bring him up on the show and I'm going to trade for him on the cheap from you at that point. And then I'm the one who's going to reap the rewards. That's the way the John Gray season, I think, plays out. He's in front of a great infield defense now with those signings. That's a good situation with the ballpark, but he's leaving cores and that is a huge adjustment. We talked about it for hitters. I'll bet it affects pitchers too. It did Ubaldo. 
By the way, somebody used to be humble, and now he's just bragging left and right. What has happened since Thanksgiving to our TC here? <laughs> I you ate a very just... large turkey leg. What can I say? I ate both of them. They were great. Goodness. I loved it. <laughs> Come insufferable. What are, what are we dealing with now here, Kyle? Yeah. I love that he called his shot for how the trade's going to happen in four and a half months. Exactly. What's, I I can't wait to play all this back. And then next next September, he'll be in first and I'll be in second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somehow, if, just, if I'm wrong, we're, if I'm wrong, wind it back. I'm I'm good with that. I was wrong on no, some other player we mentioned in August. <laughs> I don't. What are you talking about now? Oh, the best Cubs hitter out there. <laughs> oh yeah, Frankie Schwindel. Where'd you rank him? Probably ripped him. Actually, I see him. I ranked him pretty decently. I thought. That was my 20, favorite part of life. Twenty fifth. That I was probably twenty sixth. You know, I'm right more than one time here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> He's I'm right more than That's the most recent and the most notable. <laughs> now, we're not going to rank Frank Schwindel over Christian Yelich for 2022, but where do you have Yelich ranked? Probably way too high. All right, let's see. Yelich 24. Oh, God. I think I had him oh, that's among out Okay. 70. Okay. That. Wow. You have Christian Yelich in the same range as Javier Baez. And behind Byron Buxton, there is no way I'm taking <laughs> – there's no way I'm taking Byron Buxton over Christian Yelich. There's no way. Nobody is. Nobody yeah, is taking character. Buxton over Yelich, Tristan. Nobody. Ooh, are you sure about that? Because no. let's see. I'm not. Buxton versus Yelich? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I like Yelich next year, okay? He's come on, Kyle. Go, Kyle. He just Kyle. hit a ground ball while I was yelling. But, like, come on. As a matter Yelich, of fact. Not exactly Cal Ripken durability now himself, but – the 26 NFBC drafts that have occurred already have Byron Buxton going 67th and Christian Yelich 106th. What? That Man, means close. lots of people are taking Buxton first. All right, then, no, no. then Buxton is my new Mondesi, and I'm off the – I don't know what I've done wrong. This, okay, no, no, but, but I was right about Mondesi last year. So This is another one of those Schwindel-like philosophical debates that has absolute merit on either side, and I'm glad you're bringing that up because do you want to take the guy who, if he tanks again, he – ruins you or the one who when he's injured you can replace him it's a fair I question i don't want to argue buxton versus yelich anymore because i don't particularly want yelich on my teams i want to argue buxton versus a durable solid player mm -hmm. like all right oh, man there is no way i'm taking buxton over jd martinez you have buxton over jd martinez and Altuve. Okay, but and, you're picking a guy I have, what, two spots behind him overall? What, like, Matt, Corey Seager? Okay, Rendon? Like, I, Rendon, give me the I think lowest, he Give me the lowest outfielder I have behind him that you would definitely take over Buxton. I'm curious. The lowest ranked guy. I mean, this could go on a while. I, I, I You have Chris Bryant, 90. Oh, okay. I mean, I just... I need to see where Brian winds up. That's the the whole core. Imagine chorus. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean that would be interesting. I mean, a lot of the outfielders that you have ranked after after the top thirty, I, I'm not going to take over Buxton. Uh, mm -hmm. and it'd have to be guys that are five category guys. I mean, I grant you Buxton's upside, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, like Michael Brantley's going to bat 300 in Houston with with 20 home runs and 80 RBI, and I think that. I mean, I understand. You haven't ranked 130, and I'm sure NFBC would take Buxton too. The NFBC is a little bit different than ESPN leagues. Yes. You're, you yes. either win or you finish last. You don't care. I want to contend and try to win in the second half of the season. And, and, and it's not working for me. So I probably should stop doing that in all these leagues. But like, I see why Buxton would go so high because the upside is a top 10 player. 
the upside is for Degrom, the number one pitcher. So they should do that. I just I don't. But having it's going to be a guy who had Degrom losing Degrom and one of my key leads on our site did ruin me. It almost oh, yeah. single-handedly ruined me in that league. I think in, in NFBC and expert leagues, you don't pay attention as much to durability. Is that fair? Uh, you pay I, more attention I, to skills, like you say. Buxton could be a top 10 player. No, I think I, because they're deeper, I think we do think a lot about injuries. I think we think and, very And how is Buxton going in the sixth round or the fourth round? Because I think at this stage of the offseason, people are really shooting for the moon. We don't know what's going to happen yet. A lot can change. So you want to lock in the pieces today when you know that you have the maximum of the offseason in order to improve that team by the waiver wire. You have a maximum of ability to manipulate that team by trades or waiver wire. By the way, the only today. tweets I'm going to get off this show are, why are you yelling, Eric? That's it. They're the only tweets I'm going to get. Nobody's going to listen to anything else. You might get a Frankie Schwindel. Come on. Uh, no, nobody even. Uh, Come on. Nobody cares. Anymore. I'll say I was incredibly cocky today. <laughs> uh, they, they, they love you, man. You're, you're the hero. I don't know about that. I get what, that. That was only our first question. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> the next oh. one's going to be 20 more minutes. What's the next question? Brian wants to know where the most friendly landing place would be for the remaining shortstops. Give me one place where you want to see somebody and their fantasy value would spike the most. Well, I mean, obviously, if if Trevor Story goes back to Colorado, I mean, that would that would do it. <laughs> okay, how about a change in scenery? Toronto. Toronto has a shortstop, but they could play Bo Bichette at second, like they did Semyon last year. I really don't think they're spending that money on Carlos Correa or Trevor Story, though. I mean, your team, dude, what is your team doing? Because they can't run back uh, Glaber at short, and DJ LeMay, who can't play short. And, uh, you know, that, that little guy, not, who's not very little, but, but stole bases as a free agent, um, Tyler Wade. So like, no, Tyler Wade have the sh- angels. They traded him. Oh, they, they traded him. Yeah. So like, like the Phillies are going to sign Kyle Schwarber and make him their backup catcher or their center fielder. Um, Yankees shortstop. The Yankees are going to get Correa, aren't they? I think that's where everybody's leaning, but I'm really worried that they like Anthony Volpe and, uh, Oswaldo Peraza enough that they're going to, that, that, that. Didi Gregorius is going to be making Yankee fans uproarious in two years. All right. But so no, I, 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 I agree. I agree with you on the, on the Correa thing that it's the most logical thing, but the Yankees are taking a very strange approach to free agency. And based on where we're going to be at tomorrow, I don't know how this is going to play out. I'm worried the Yankees do pretty much nothing. Who needs a shortstop? Yankees by a lot. Yankees. And then what's oh, next? Houston. <laughs> Houston needs a shortstop. We're not going to play Bregman there. Right. I don't know that they're going to be in the market for three. I don't think they're in the market guy. that Phillies do, but they're not going to spend any money. Obviously. I would um, actually, I would argue that story in Houston would be pretty good too. Correa, of course. I think so. Turns. We're talking about team changers, Toronto. Angels, like. Angels need a shortstop. Yeah, and but but I mean, well, the Rendon thing was injuries. I mean, getting in the top four of that lineup is a pretty good situation. The ballpark's not great for those types. I, I don't want to see story come down to pretty much sea level. That's another thing that bugs me. Could be the Dodgers, and they just leave Trey Turner at second base. They they could spend they could. money. They're already over yeah. the tax. Actually, actually, actually I think they, the Dodgers could be a Carlos Correa destination. I could, I could very well see that. that. Mm-hmm. And that might be weird to people after that world series uh that we recall but i i will not be surprised in the slightest if the dodgers are, are i also won't be surprised if trevor story uh, not trevor if trey turner and gavin lux is the best middle infield combination in baseball next year oh that's yeah what we just saw 
from um, Texas. Because Lux, you want to talk about upside? Gavin Lux has mad upside. Not maybe not Buxton upside, but I mean, I could see a 2020 season out of Gavin Lux if they just leave him alone and let him play second, Muncie at first. That would be that would be nice. Your key but, words were leave him alone because when they did, they put him in the outfield. He was oh, stop good. With that. That's not how you you don't ruin players by making them play multiple defensive positions. It's Scott not about moving, argument. It's not about moving around. It's about playing them, and they played him. I didn't care where it was. They played him. You know it. Chase Utley. That's how Chase Utley became a star. They finally played him. Well, they played him against lefties. They played him against righties all the time, but yes. Right, um, but play him! Make play him! Burn. Play him! <laughs> all right, well, play him! <laughs> last question here comes from Dan. He wants to know about underrated first baseman heading into next season. Well, the argument begins and ends with Frankie Shrindell. Obviously. Yes. Who I always but those yes, that does. listen to the podcast no longer underrate him. So. <laughs> Frank Shrindell's doing that again, too. Um, underrated. Shocked, yeah, you might be right. Yes, yet you rank him at behind Miguel Sano and Nate Lowe, Jonathan Scope. Schwindel will be in my top one fifty. You not, like not top- no, Scope? That's not fair. You love Jonathan Scope. You're a bigger fan than I am of him. Uh, you are. You know, you I like play. that he plays. I like that the power is always there, but there's also a bias batting average issue potentially. Yeah, because he refuses to walk. Brandon Belt back in San Francisco is still underrated. I don't think people realize how many home runs. Do you realize what Brandon Belt slugged in San Francisco in 2021? No, not not Cal Ripken here. He misses games. But he slugged 597 and 591 the past two seasons. Brandon Belt. Now he's going to miss games, but and he, 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 he hit at home. He slugged 571 at home and 623 on the road. So that ballpark isn't holding him back anymore. Good for him. They made made some of the changes to it, which did help him. He also adjusted his game to go for more power. And he also does belong a little bit on that list with Mondesi and Buxton. I don't want to say, oh, wait, wait, what did you just say? He definitely belongs on that list. Among the Mondesi? Yeah. Major injury question. Major belt. Uh, it's a shame. I, I think he's a great player, but you know, like great when they play, but they, well, I mean, he was dirt. He missed six games in 2019 and nine in 2020. I don't want to call him Mondesi. That's a, not a good comp at to, all. To, to the, to the point of great when they play definitely misses time. Rich uh, Harden uh, syndrome. Uh, Rich, Harden gonna, exactly Rich Harden. Brandon Bell can play 130, 140 games next season. There's no perfect list of that. You're, you're, you're missing the point. There's no perfect list of this. I mean, does it have to be, they have to be exactly 40 games played. No, it's variable. That's the whole idea here. I, that comp doesn't work for me. Um, Risk reward injury guy. That's all it is. First base, by the way, that's, that's not, I know my, my guy all in and, and the short list stops at Alex Kirilov. Well, I, I think Spencer Torkelson could fit his way on the list, but okay. But I, I think a lot of people are on to him. I like Kirilov. I, I think he's a, a 25, 30 home run guy. Is he safe in batting average? Will he hit lefties? The the lefties is the bigger question for me. I do think he'll hit for average. I don't know that the power is going to be great initially, but I, I do think he could be a reliable, consistent kind of guy. I think this is a, bre- a potential breakthrough year for him. You know, Rowdy Tellez resigned in Milwaukee. I could see that. Yeah. Mattering. Yeah. Keston Hura, what are we doing with that guy? Oh man, I know. Imagine having him in it, like in a key, like you started a dynasty league and you took Keston Hura in round five. You're miserable right now. <laughs> oh, I want to ask you. I, it, it probably doesn't fit here, but 
Did you also find the Pirates' decision to DFA Colin Moran when I he signed Sutugo? He's not expensive. I projected 20 home runs for him that last year. Obviously, injuries got in the way, but that's a 20, 25 home run guy. Colin Moran just sitting out there for anybody. He's cheap. I mean, he's going to land in a platoon now. I don't think he has a path to a regular job. He's going to be the Philly center fielder. I, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, I was, I was tweeting the other oh day with gosh. somebody, a Phillies fan, and some. I, I'm just ripping the Phillies all week because, like, <laughs> what they're doing, I don't know. And somebody's like, "Come on, man, you're always hating on the Phillies." I'm like. I wanted to reply. Um, I like the Phillies. They're my favorite team and they will be next year. Even if Kyle Schwarber is playing center field or catcher. The point is like, this is the worst defense in history and you're eyeing Kyle Schwarber. Do you think that's going to make it better? Um, what were we- I like Schwarber. We're talking about underrated at first base. I'll throw yeah, you but one. It's not a fit for this team. You've already got Hoskins who has to DH yeah. and Alec Bohm. He may not even hit enough to DH and Bryce Harper has to DH and JT Romuto is going to age poorly. He needs the DH. How many DHs do you need? Who's, who is your priority for DH for this year? If they get the DH, what is the priority of those players? Uh, I mean, they're going to probably, you know, pay, pay for Castellanos and he'll play left field. And then they're going to be surprised this time next year when he has a minus 15 DRS. I don't understand how they cannot see what, what is coming. Yes, they need offense. Okay, of course. But Andrew McCutcheon killed them defensively. And I don't think Castellanos or Schwarber are even better than that. I want, defensively. Real, Muto, I want Real Muto to be your Salvador Perez for this year. But that's I want me. Real Muto to play 50 games at DH. I mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And Garrett that's... Stubbs to play you know, mm-hmm. more a catcher. He could probably yep. hit 15 home runs, even as a backup. Keep but, that bat I mean, in the lineup. Keep the bat in the lineup. But Hoskins is the like the worst defensive first baseman. And- the Hoskins one is the next I'd go to because of the defense. I would not put Bohm there just because you got to make him figure out a field position if you he's, can. He's got to play third base or left. I just like when they get Castellanos or Schwarber, I'm not going to be all that happy because like they're not helping their defense. I don't know who's out there that can play defense. And they still don't have a center fielder. We're wasting time. The, uh, Are there any more tri- any more uh, questions the, here on Hash Browns? The, okay, I was going to throw you the first base underrated guy. But that's okay. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> hey, give me your first base. Well, you already. Nick Prado. Who else? Nick Prado. The Ryan um, O'Hearn thing. Royals. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, but then I'll throw Tristan Cassis at you. What's the difference? Yes, uh, Prado's more of a power-oriented, three true outcomes kind of guy. I think there's more. Which I don't immediate. want Cassis could hit two eighty. I just don't think that the power there is quite the same. And I'd rather make the play for the power initially, if I had to pick. Also, I think it's Kansas city. They're, they're looking towards yeah, the that future as is. Too, man. Oh man. No, 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 no. I mean, I Prado's a Prado's a monster slugger, but no, no, I'm going to take Casas over Prado. Jorge Soler had a lot of homers there. We talked about that. He's the aberration, isn't he? I mean, he and Sally Perez, I guess, but it can be done when you have the power for it. I'm, we're Wasn't going real... lefty. We're like Mustak is the only. Le- I can't th- think of a lefty who's been a major power guy for Kansas City recently. Bob Hamlin. Well, that's not really recently. <laughs> it was yesterday. I'm 25, man. I told you. What was reading more glasses? 25 years ago. I don't got. I mean, I Nick Prado's got, no got slugging power. I give you that. All right. Um, <laughs> now, this is going to be the longest show ever. Sorry, Kyle. Okay, you do one podcast a month. That's allowed. All right, what was the trivia question? Trivia, one player last year, just one, had at least 70 extra base hits but failed to hit 30 bombs. Who was it? <laughs> Good Lord. I have a guess or two. Uh, Same I team. I don't. Uh, 
because when I hear this question, I, I automatically think doubles. And when I think doubles, mm-hmm. I think Green Monster. And I'm thinking Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, somebody like that. Okay, one of those two is right. There you go, Tristan. You phoned a friend. You got it down to two. He doesn't get to pick first. He's not humble anymore. <laughs> if I if I guess him, which didn't get to 30 homers, I think Martinez is more likely to get there. So Bogarts is the answer. Oh, no, Tristan. We got it down to two. and you still, <laughs> I still got it hard. <laughs> So it really was it was Martinez. It was JD, JD Martinez, correct. What well, are I mean, the other that... what are the other lifelines? Wasn't there an eliminate one answer? So after the 50-50, I could have done that. I think... To think of other guys yeah. who didn't hit a lot of because you're thinking of guys who hit doubles when you yeah. think of a question like that. 50 yep. double guy. Devers, I know, hit 30 home runs. So 38, yeah. That's that's what I start to think about. I mean, it's I'm not brilliant or anything. I'm just trying to think of guys who hit a lot of doubles. Bogart's out homer JD Martinez. Bogarts. No, I don't, no, think, I don't he think he got to the extra base hits. Let me check. Oh, he didn't get to 70 extra base hits. Okay. I don't think Bogarts hit a lot of home runs at all. You're, I think your your Bogarts-Corey Seager argument is wrong, man. It's just wrong. But, I mean, th- Bogarts had like 25 home runs last year. That's 23, 23 and 58 for Bogarts. Seager can do that. Okay. So to me, they're, they should be they're ranked a lot closer together. My Tommy Edmond argument on the last show, whenever that was, is not that he's good. It's that in comparison to the guy who you ranked, like 50 spots higher, they should be ranked closer. That's what a lot of right rankings arguments are. You're you, you can't use the durability versus the injury prone guy in reverse and then have it swing back when it's convenient for the next. If you tell me Corey Seager's out of our show, Bogarts is bias and Buxton is Seager in that debate. This is the same mentality here that Bogart is, Seager is not Byron Buxton for durability. It's the philosophy of the debate that you are taking. You are saying that you don't want the injury prone guy in this one hand and you want the consistency guy or in the, the one who's on the field. And then in this argument for Bogarts versus Seager, you'd rather the guy who's a greater injury risk than the one who's been proven year and year. I didn't say I would take Bogarts over Seager. I said your 50 ranking spots between them is ridiculous. That's what I said. And it's... I'll, it's not. I don't, I don't think Corey Seager is a brittle player. I don't. Bogarts is amazing. Bogarts He's amazing. is amazing. And so is Corey Seager. I, I'm not going to say Corey, Corey Seager's more durable than Bogarts, but Corey Seager is going to do the exact same thing as Bogarts in 2022. The exact same thing. That's my argument. I, I they're they're kind of similar in Byron terms of the hit Buxton, tool and power. Man. They're kind you of can't similar. compare I, I, him to anybody except Mondesi. Mondesi. There's no comp for that, and you can't compare them to each other either. That's also not fair. Because Montesis is, I can compare Buxton to Montesis for fantasy import because one of them can steal sixty bases. Yes, I can't for for value. Buxton is worlds better a hitter than Albert Montesis. Talking about that, you do this with Mike Trout all the time. I don't. I know how great Mike Trout is. If you if if you tell to me, I want want one guy batting the bottom of ninth, the game on the line. It's Mike Trout. It's the best hitter Mm -hmm. in baseball, but he's not because he's not on the field enough. So there's a difference in philosophy here. Skills-wise, it's not the same. I'll grant you Buxton's skills are off the charts. They're Trout-like. But he's not even playing 100 games ever. It's not even close. Right, right. but in this case, Seager, how many games is Seager playing? 140. 130. I'll admit I Seager played 134 games in 2019, and he played 52 out of 60 in 2020. Um, Okay, I'll ask you this. If Seager pitch, Trey Turner got hit by a pitch. You're going to make the Trey Turner argument on getting hit by a pitch is different than Corey Seager getting hit by a pitch? You can't. The track record, 
Trey, Trey Turner and Corey Seager do not belong in the same discussion when you're talking about the track record. Not the one specific injury, the track record. They do not. The track record was because he had Tommy John surgery, which is fluky. That's it. It's the only, only not one, sure. Not sure I agree with you on that, that that's totally fluky. That's all right. Um, and he took what, a while what? to recover from it. Games, games for if it's 150 games for Seager, where are you ranking him? I'm not giving him 100. I'm giving 130. To the point you were making a minute ago. And you were just saying 140 games. So you were assuming here that he's going to come that close to Xander Bogarts. He's 150 I'm giving Seeger and Bogarts uh-huh. 25 to 28 home runs, 95 mm-hmm. RBI, and mm-hmm. a 295 batting average. I'm giving both of them the exact same numbers. And by the way, Bogarts didn't In play the same games? last year either. In the I'm same Bogarts 15 more games. And saying Seager does the exact same thing as Bogarts in 15 fewer games. Yes, I am. That's a dumb argument. No, it's, it's, it's a great argument. And that's why I was getting at this. I have no issue with that projection. I like it. And I want to tell you that's what I think he's going to do. Because if he gave me 150 games. And yet one games, guy's ranked 50 spots ahead of the other. Because he has missed time and he is projected to miss time. That is, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But if he gave you 155 games, he's a top 20 player for me. I like him that I'm much. I'm giving him 130 games. And I think he's he's a top 50 player. We could roll back to a previous show where I remember you to, you raked me over the coals over my love for Corey Seager. I love that player. He's amazing the past two and years. And now you don't. Which no, I, I I just said I'd have him top twenty if he had 150 plus games. Um, all right. So what do we what did we need to do today? We talked a bit about our odd partnership in the XFL. I think you'll be doing the draft on Saturday night because only one of us can actually do it. And obviously, you win your league, so it should be you. So basically, I joined the league, gave you the team, <laughs> go win. Uh, Bill James handbook, go buy that. Also, we need to congratulate congratulate. The four members of the 2021 yes. class from yes. for, uh, Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Congrats to Steve Gardner, Dave Ganos, Scott Pianowski, and the late Mike Taglieri. So the FSWA, um, I'm fortunate enough and, and, and happy to be a charter member of this Hall of Fame back in 2010. And then I introduced you, Tristan, in 2012. In other words, we're really old. But we know Steve Gardner really well. USA Today writer, editor. He runs labor. He listens to our show while his dog poops. And nothing could be more appropriate than that. Uh, Dave and Scott, great guys, longtime industry vets. And Mike, who passed in September at 39 after battling COVID. Uh, congrats to them and their families. It's quite an honor. And, um, you know, it's, it's a great industry great to be a part of. It's great an class. absolutely great class of Hall of Famers. Good choices by all of them there. And I'm, I'm very happy to see these these four people recognized. Absolutely. And and congrats to them and their families as well. Um, OK, so that's a lot. Uh, what what else did we miss in this hour long show? Did we miss anything We're, else? No, but we the uncertainty that comes up potentially tonight. after oh, midnight. We're not discussing that. We're not but, discussing that. We're writing, we're ranking, and as things develop, we will still be here. So just keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when our next show is. Um, I don't know what Basil is going to end up doing. Uh, we we might not talk to you again until 2022. And if we don't, we want to thank everybody who listens and follow, follows our show. I mean, we're, we're not the same as the Fantasy Focus Football. We know that. These guys are there on TV, and you can you can watch them, and they're daily, and all that stuff. And football's huge, but baseball still matters a little bit too. And we thank you for listening to our show. Kyle does a great job producing, researching. Very versatile guy. Wasn't even a producer two years ago. He learned learned how to do it from Dop. Now he's awesome. Um, and Tristan, you're the best. You win leagues, and uh, I'm glad to be a partner with you. Not only on this league, but also probably talk to you on the phone later today. Um, everybody. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> if we don't talk to you before the end of the year, have a great Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we'll be back with you as soon as you can. 
and you know just be awesome